Chase throwing on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers. That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. What is happening, Bolt fam? Welcome to another edition of the Thunderdown Under Chargers podcast. I am Andy Prophet. My co-host is Alistair Lloyd. Good day to you, sir. It's Dad Gummit Victory Pod time, and Woo-hoo. we are elated to be joined by our great mate from across the pond and profound writer at Bolts from the Blue, Kyle D. What's happening, man? Ah, oh, doing good, Andy. Finally got a win in the column. Uh, you know that's for those keeping track at home. Our fourth win against a backup quarterback. But hey, we'll 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 digress and we'll get into uh, that as we go. Really, just <laughs> cut the rungs out of the ladder straight off. Just killing <laughs> my flow already. <laughs> uh, attitude and energy is just shot in the foot. Well, guys, it's a sharp turnaround. <laughs> it's a sharp turnaround for us this week. Schedules get a bit chaotic heading into the holiday season, so we're shooting from the hip tonight. We're having a beer. And we are enjoying we are enjoying what we can from the results above all else before, of course, we host the Broncos in week 14. Let's get straight into it. Los Angeles Chargers 6, New England Patriots 0. Not a bad scoreline if you're playing hockey or soccer. Or heck, even a set of tennis. Sure, interesting viewing, but a win's a win when your back's against the wall and the season's half down the toilet. Only evidence I really saw of a bizarre Coriolis effect was Khalil Mack spinning and weaving his path of destruction and leading the defensive unit to maybe one of its better performances of the season, keeping the Bailey Zappi-led Pats to a big fat goose egg, becoming just the fifth unit to do so uh, against Bill Belichick in his New England tenure. The monkey's off the back, 15 years since the Bolts knocked them off and we did it in Foxborough. Much needed snapping of the losing streak, 5-7 and seven now and on to Denver. As you're channeling Jack, Al, what have you got for us this week? This week, listeners, in place of Jack, we're going deep. We're going back to 1999. Picture Jack as a 10-year-old boy watching MTV, jerking the little gherkin. On, <laughs> on comes TLC. The famous song, I don't want no scrub. A scrub is a guy that get no love from me. That famous trio, you know, Tion Watkins, Lisa Left Eye Lopez, rest in peace, and Rosonda Chili Thomas. Well, you know what? Scrubs get love from me. My three scrubs, of course, are Essang Bassi, Dean Leonard, Justin Hollins. Who are these guys? No one knows them, but they're producing hit single after hit after hit. And as you said, Andy, the Chargers are just one of five teams to hold the most famous coach in the history of the league to zero points for an entire game. Let's just overlook Kyle's point that it's a backup quarterback who probably shouldn't be getting games. But you know what? I'll take it. The first win against this much-hated AFC rival for 15 years. And I want to see more of these scrubs because they're doing a really good job so far, aren't they, Kyle? Yeah, they are. I mean, Bossy, like you said, has been doing great. Hollins, I think we kind of anticipated would do a yeoman's job, maybe not necessarily as as efficient as Kyle Van Noy last year, but he's somebody that has played in the scheme, has done well under Staley, and that we we kind of 
we we figured he'd be personally a little bit of an upgrade over what we have from Rumpf, even though he was somebody signed to replace Rumpf when Rumpf was injured. It's kind of one of those classic examples of a guy that could have been an upgrade from day one if we weren't so stubborn about developing guys in their third or fourth year that have already yeah. shown us everything we need to know about them. Uh, yeah. Think Andy, how do you feel about the scrub? I think you're forgetting to mention Jalen Hawkins as well, who has been, you know, somewhat serviceable. They're all part of a unit that's in the last two and a bit weeks um, playing better football. So I've, um, yeah, I'm about four it. members in it, the band. We, yeah, <laughs> it's the the other. Oh, I won't say anything about a lazy eye there. Uh, rest in peace. <laughs> um, I. Yeah, walk down a dark path there. I um, and look, it, like I said to you when we were watching the game, man, um, they're getting the result. Like it's playing, we're playing better football. You could see it out on the field. There's better communication between guys, and um, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't matter. You don't need to pay huge bucks, and maybe this um, this scheme is not as hard as it was. That you've just got kind of vets set in their way a bit, and you know, we're seeing improvement from Dean Leonard and. Um, he got targeted a bunch and he, he responded pretty well uh, at times and has done so. And he's playing a heap on special teams as well. Like it's, these guys are guys who want to play for this team and they're getting pumped. Justin Hollins. Um, it's, it's good little uh, compliment to other guys that are starting to play better football as well. The, the main core group. So I think it's all coming together nicely. That's how I say it. I also figure how you feel about this game as a fan. It, it kind of, it says a lot about what your perspective is like and who you are as a person, your psychology, because you could look at it in many different ways, right? There's a pessimistic way to look at this and, and realize it, it's still highly unlikely that the Chargers go on a playoff run. So if you're the type who's wanting the team to lose to secure a higher pick, kudos to you. That's, that's fine. If you're the type who's maybe a bit more bullish or optimistic and thinks, you know, this is a team that's lost a lot of close games, ergo, they have potential. So if the defense improves, maybe they can win out. If that's kind of your way of looking at things, then you can view the positives from this game as well. And, um, like that there's, well, I'm sure we're going to unpack the offensive kind of ineptitude, but in this game, there's at least special teams leading from the front the defense putting on a, a bit of a show, playing in a way that's much more attractive to the eye. Uh, you know, I thought I saw a lot of kind of more single high safety, more men in, in the box, uh, tighter coverage. Again, we're seeing good connection between rush and and coverage, all those good things. I think, Andy, your point on communication was massive. I don't know if this is Essang Bassi or uh, Gilman being around for longer, but you were even noticing as plays come in motion across the formation, there's just a lot more calm and confidence and directional voice as opposed to what we saw with Michael Davis quite a bit, I have to say, really unsure before the snap kind of pointing and, and not knowing who the coverage responsibility belongs to. And I don't know, again, you can look at it two ways. Should they have made these changes earlier in the season? Kyle, or do you think it's kind of just part of coaching that you try different combinations until you find one that works? And it's actually good that finally we've arrived at a group who knows how to execute the defense, albeit in, you know, the first week of December. I don't know if bringing Bossy up so quick would have been the answer. Getting off of Michael Davis would have been kind of tough. 
because we have seen him play at a very high level for this team. Um, I would have liked to see the Derwin move earlier, like we've talked about on this podcast. Um, even though he did still have some slip ups, um, it wasn't his best game still, um, I would say. But the I love Alohi in that backfield kind of taking control. I think that's what both of you are alluding to is like you're seeing Alohi yeah. now really start to come alive as a leader on this defense. <laughs> Uh, it started last year with the Dolphins when he did his film study and knew where Tyreek was going to be and broke up that first pass. And ever since then, there has been a cerebral component to his game. And it sure. didn't initially translate into leadership right right away, but now you're seeing it. Uh, even that first play this season, or maybe in the second play against the Dolphins, where Khalil Mack was lined up on Tyreek. And they both realized they were totally mismatched and their coverage was not going to work against that play. He and Alohi had a moment where they pointed at each other, kind of communicated, and they worked to mitigate what was going to be a terrible play and was a bad play, but they worked on making it a little less bad. So he's very, very aware and you're seeing him step up as a leader now. So can we can we bring him back? Do we bring him back? And how quickly do you think we could start seeing a Lohi Gilman with a C on his chest if we do, Andy? Look at Carl, the for, for former Notre Dame, his wife, former Notre Dame alum. He's got the Golden Dome beaming over there. You're, you're practically a fighting Irish, aren't you, Carl? I mean, boys, I have an agenda here. Okay, I've got to keep the wife happy. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep the wife happy. happy. Wife. That's happy another. Luck, that's a. That's a n- another that million out. dollars in AAV right there. <laughs> that's my problem, Andy. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm witness to it. Um, I love it because he's not the most physically gifted guy, but you can see the growth, as you said, that cerebral aspect to his football. The growth in his football IQ is allowing him to play smarter and achieve more than I I feel his physical limitations would otherwise allow him to. And I think that's the growth that you've sort of seen in his career. And now I'm not going to say it's the student becomes the master, but the student becomes the teacher and he's able to then you know, help the younger guys in the, mm-hmm. in the unit communicate that and be like, Hey, you know, Michael Davis is by far the most experienced cornerback we have, but he's, he's not, he's pushing shit uphill. We need to get, we've got a low here who, who can then, um, go, Hey, look, I'll help you out. Come over here. We'll sort this out. Listen to me here and that sort of stuff. And you're seeing that and you're seeing maybe it's a lack of, or it's just a, a massive decrease in the egos of the guys playing out there. Um, they're more, likely to sort of take the the, uh the the help the advice and grow you know uh more organically than sort of trying to um push against any help that they're getting but it's it's great to see and it's it's one of those ones where i'd i'd really like to have him back because it i was so concerned when he was injured and wasn't able to and we were seeing that derwin was lost doing his coverage thing and stuff and actually as that deep safety isn't the best um, option for our team. I was concerned about the communication, which we saw break down a lot. And uh, it's now allowed Derwin to play closer to the line of scrimmage. And sure, he didn't have a great game uh, in coverage, but look, he got a sack and he looked dangerous around the line. And like I said, I mean, Kyle, you pointed it out. We all say it. We played against a backup quarterback in a two and nine team, Um, but you've got to get the result, don't you? And um, he, he had a part to play for sure. 
Let's uh, let's overlook though that that near interception that it would have really been nice if Gilman mm. secured that to seal the game right at the very end. Again, it's how you want to watch the game, right? In some ways, Gilman has become one of the best safeties in the entire NFL. I don't think it's unreasonable PFF to have got say him like eighth or something, don't they? <clears throat> Seven? Yeah, they've got him high for sure, and probably to your point, Andy, it might be difficult to find the funds in a cash-strapped off-season to secure his services, but he's going to earn every dollar because of the way he's playing. Kyle is, I can see him feverishly looking for a way to keep him, but maybe, <laughs> okay, jump in. What, you, how is he? Oh, no. His... You, Sorry, this is a have... non-spreadsheet show tonight, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you purely diving, audio. <laughs> you have me diving into some research now just to double check. Excel because book seven. <laughs> initially, my, and there it is. This is this is exactly what I think I needed. Although it wasn't the high snap count that we would have liked to see, um, but when Adrian Phillips left for New England because or left for New England, his last season with us, he had a PFF score of eighty seven point six. He had a very good year. He wasn't a full time starter. He was he was a sub package kind of guy. But yep. Phillips is who he reminds me of the most because he's so he's, he's a cerebral guy that gets by the, gets to the ball. Um, you might be tempted to slot him in as more of a sub package type of player because he doesn't have the athletic traits, but he's proving that he can overcome that. I, I still think teams want when free agency hits, I still think they want that speed and they're going to have a hard time opening up their uh, pocketbooks for a guy that's only had one full year as a starter and mm. has thrived as the, uh, let's just say the cow pie that possibly just smells the least, you know, if this defense was high performing and he was doing great and it seemed like it was because of him, it might be one thing. Yeah. Um, so we might be looking at a situation where he does take kind of a one or two, probably a two year deal to prove that this isn't a fluke that he can be a, you know, quality starting safety, but I don't know. I, I, I haven't dove into the market just yet, but um, from the beginning of this season, that's the, com the comparable, like the comparable for Gilman was always Adrian Phillips for me. And you know, he left for the Patriots for pennies. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe while we have you on, kind of cap alert. I did have a question, Carl. If, if, did you say anything from the game yesterday? Did anything happen yesterday that kind of impacts your view of appropriate end of season moves or kind of cap consequences? I know bringing up Khalil Mack, who's now 15 sacks on the year, he's, you know, tied for the most ever in his career with five games left in the season, playing at a, mm -hmm. an incredible level. Does that kind of view your perspective of, you know, how we approach the off season? Anything you saw yesterday? So I don't know if you you guys have seen this on Twitter, but I've kind of been, I've thrown up a couple of contract scenarios of us actually extending Keenan Allen and Khalil Mack. And if we were to do that, if you use very favorable comparisons, in my opinion, uh, for them, which would be at the time, it was um, Devontae Adams for Keenan Allen and Von Miller for uh, Mac, you know, you can give them a slight bump on those AAVs or APYs and put ourselves, put, get us in a situation where we're saving about $15 million per player in the cap next year and being able to afford them for the next two and potentially then having a ripcord year after that, where they get enough 
dead cap afterwards to make it worth it to sign with us in those first two years. Or we come to a situation where we have to renegotiate the contract and figure out something else to do. But we do have, they're performing at a high enough level where we can have that conversation. The real question with Mac right now, in my mind, is... is I know where you're going. Himself? Yeah. You, did, did you see it already? No, I just what know that? what you're like. You're just, you just think of compensatory draft picks. In every <laughs> no, 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 no. So. Trade value, <laughs> so, trade value. Well, it's it's not well, necessarily yeah. trade value, guys, because I already I already got to that place where I wanted to keep him because I, especially if we were to go with a new coaching hire that puts us in a position where we don't necessarily have to rebuild. I think if a Harbaugh, and we'll, we'll get into this more later, but if we got a Jim Harbaugh, I think he could come in immediately and build around the leadership of Keenan Allen on offense, uh, Khalil Mack on defense. And, you know, his first season with the 49ers, they went 13 and three. Um, If we go back to our first year coach scenario, like we always do, seemingly, then maybe it doesn't make as much sense because it might take two years to get things back on track. But Khalil Mack has played himself to a point where, and I, and I posted this earlier, he's, He's played himself to a point where he's gotten, like you guys said, 16 sacks. He's on pace for many more. Um, he's on pace to get, um, sorry, let me look this up because I posted this. He's on pace for 1.33 sacks a game. But if you were to back that out between his sacks against starters and against backups against starters, he's gotten six sacks in eight games. So that's 0.75 sacks a game. Against backups, four games, he's had 10 sacks, 2.5 sacks a game. So I'm not saying that he doesn't have it anymore. I'm just starting to wonder, is there a potential, especially with us playing um, Aiden O'Connell again, that he does rack up this sack total and maybe should have a valuation of a player that got between 0.75, one sack a game, but... He ends the season with 22, 23, maybe even 24 if he goes nuts again and wants to get paid like the best defensive player in the league. That's and of course, might... Kyle, if I'm Max, a- Max Agent, I'm saying the quarterback's irrelevant. It's about the offensive tackle he's facing. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only that, it's about Joey Bosa's not there next to him giving him help. He's still mm-hmm. accumulating these totals without a star edge rusher opposite him. What are you talking about? Pay my client. 100%. And he has $23 million in cash coming to him next year. So there's yep. not really, you know, there's not a reason for him to take something that's, you know, going to be the, the Chargers are going to be in a position where they likely need to make a decision, whether they trade, they're not going to cut him, whether they're going to trade him or whether they're going to extend him free up cap, letting him play on that contract would be a little bit of a problem for them. They can get around it. It's just not advantageous. So do you pay top dollar if he continues on this pace after looking into the data a little bit and seeing, well, a lot of that production, elevated production came from these backup quarterbacks, or can you try to bring him down and be into that Von Miller place where we're at 20 to $23 million a year where we can make something happen? That's, that's going to be my question because if he's wanting to break the bank and get closer to a Nick Bosa, you know, APY, then we are going to have to look at, okay, well maybe we do need to trade this guy. Yeah. I think there'd be a little bit, I see your point. I really do. I think there would be a little bit more strength in the argument for paying him that kind of market value. If he wasn't, 31 going on 32 
So I do think that, you know, that's a five to five to six, five odd year difference between him and Nick Bosa. I think oh, yeah. if Joey's 28, Nick's 25 or 26. Um, uh, so that does weigh against, and maybe, you know, in-house the Chargers will say, hey, look, um, but that's classic Chargers, isn't it? Just lowballing everyone. Um, <laughs> well, and, and the right. difference between the two is significant. Andy. So even, even if we don't get all the way there, so, so Nick Bosa is at 34 million a year where I was originally projecting around that Von Miller mark. I gave him an uptick from Von Miller to about 23, 23 yep. million a year. So I'm $11 million a year off from Nick Bosa. So that's where our negotiating positioning might be. I totally agree. He's not going to get the 34 million a year, but he might get something, something steamy. Um, mm. closer to that $30 million mark where we're looking looking at it going, I don't know, man. Joey Bosa right now has an APY of 27. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to swallow, isn't it? Just those those finances. Hey, you're also forgetting, Carl, Mac's going to want his boy Staley coaching. So if that's going to be a precondition to keeping him, I'm sure a large population of the Chargers fan base aren't going to be amenable to that. So <laughs> might need to wave him goodbye to follow his favorite coach. He did very frustratingly say to a reporter last week, Alistair, that at this point in the, his career, all he wants to do is win. Yeah. And he did not look very happy when he said it. <laughs> He's doing all he can to try and get those wins, and it started with one this week. Why don't we get yeah, you go, Andy? What are you going to say? Oh, I was just going to, yeah. Well, it's been a rough trot from him. He went from the Raiders to the Bears now to us, and it's just sort of been like... <laughs> trip over every step he sort of takes. Yeah, I'd be getting pretty pissed off if I were him too. Um but yeah, look. If there's a if there is a change in the coaching, um you'd hate for that to cause one of our best defensive players to then turn into that like trade me. I'm mm. not playing for you, trade me. And you'd just you just feel all the wind taken out and it's far more than just sort of a tumble dry on the defensive line for Jim Harbour or whoever else to get this defense to kind of click into um, a functional operation. So yeah, money talks of... at the end of the day. So I'm sure you could work something out. That's true. Jim, Jim will get him, sign him up to a Ponzi scheme or something. Get rich quick. <laughs> <laughs> Suck him in. <laughs> uh, let's get onto this defense because it was, it was awesome. Like we, we shut them out. Uh, zero points. We allowed zero red uh, red zone trips. Mm. Um, five sacks for 32 yards. Just came at awesome times. They came at the kind of times in the game I felt, and when I look back on it, that op- opposing defenses sack us and cause us to lose the game. And look, 6-0. It was any moment where one of those catches to Tyquan Thornton or Devontae Parker gets on the end of one of those, and all you need is a touchdown to tie the game and an extra point to to uh to take the lead so it was as far as great a distance as the two teams sort of felt for the most part predominantly defense and special teams as you said al um it was unnecessarily stressful just in true charges fashion the defense was just really good to see and with the scrubs um yeah i was i was pretty i just felt good i felt good about it i felt like it was good for staley and um it got us the win. It won us the game. So um, is there any other uh, massive shout-out you need to give Al uh, on the defense? Someone who just who, who balled out? 
It's always nice to recognise Tooley, who continues his kind of rookie production. Not that, who I thought that, he'd go with. Okay. Yeah, well, like, he's playing at an above-average level for a starting edge, especially mm. in run defence. And you, you, you never barrack for injuries, right? But early in that game, Ramondre Stevenson was having his way with the Chargers' interior, especially SJD and Austin Johnson. And all of a sudden, Tooley not only kind of forces the fumble, but in so doing, manages to injure his ankle. Like, that one play is significant in the outcome of the game you need i need to acknowledge that look the defensive performance looks potentially quite different with ezekiel elliott and you know ty montgomery as the starting backs than if ramondre is is healthy for that entire game he's one of their only good players on offense seriously and clearly the game plan was to run the ball they have 29 rush attempts notwithstanding ramondre's out of the lineup and with quite a bit of success too at 149 yards so the Chargers didn't, you know, they stopped aspects of the run defense, still those perimeter runs every now and then. We we saw with the, the Taekwon Thornton 39-yard jet sweep where you see multiple missed tackles from secondary players, an enduring theme under the Brandon Staley kind of coaching tenure. But it, I thought it was good to see Kendricks and Murray back again. I mean, they had a really strong October. November, both of them struggled. And... I don't know, Kyle, if if you agree, but I feel like this is the type of game that suits them well. Run defenders. So when you know that the team wants to run the ball and you can come up and diagnose and kind of thump, I like them in that role more than against a spread offense when they're, you know, out in space trying to cover the field. That's how I Mm -hmm. feel anyway. Yeah, Al, you and I, and we talked about this, I think, last time I was on the pod. Um, You know, is this run defense above average now can we say that have they done enough to quantify that my my pushback is that they haven't really had a statement game that they haven't had a strong enough running team to really challenge them and give us a game to hang their hat on um although that this game still doesn't push that needle for me it doesn't quite get there i am really stoked i've been a charger fan long enough to have seen enough weather games to know that these guys can wilt like a daisy in the cold. And this team didn't do that. So we've yeah. got to acknowledge that. Um, some, you know, there have been past charger teams where in those kind of conditions, it didn't matter if it was Zeke or, or whoever was running the ball, they would have gotten pushed back by the offensive line and there would have been holes everywhere. We were very resilient in that regard. And the guys certainly did play with heart. So that's great to see. It's clear that the team hasn't, given up on Staley. Uh, and last week, it... Kyle, I thought like bottling Lamar Jackson and that mm-hmm. Ravens offensive line, I know Keita Mitchell, it's still outside runs where there are issues, perimeter runs, the team struggles, but I feel like at least they can claim their average somewhere between, I'd say there's somewhere between 11th and 16th, maybe right in between like average to slightly above average based on yards per attempt. And the fact that teams can't run the ball with impunity against them, especially up the middle, they try to run and we're keeping those runs to one or two yards or three. So we're having, I feel like we're having more third and longs than we have at any other time during the daily tenure. I mean, or we're just a couple gals that, you know, are used to guys making them pick up the checks. And for once a guy's willing to go Dutch with us. So we think he's Prince Charming. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> we need a translator and yeah, go, go Dutch. That's new. <laughs> All go I think Dutch. of go Dutch is just lighten one up. 
No, go Dutch is when the man, when the woman and the man pay separately for each other. Oh, they all split so the bill. Yeah, they don't split the bill. It's not a, it's not a above average performance. But mm. because we've been mooched off of for so long, all of a sudden this looks like a great guy because he's willing to mm. do his part. Um, basically, what I'm getting at is we could it just have been than stuck it is. with such a crappy defense for so long that now that it just feels like it's returning to average that we have a tendency to celebrate it a little bit too much. And, you know, I'm just personally, I'm just not there yet, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see. I agree with you. I think the bottom, the bottom line of this is like in of this episode of the show ultimately is enjoy the win, but like, let's not mm. get fucking carried away. Right. Um, mm. Still only scored six points against the Patriots. And there were, <laughs> there were the good things. And then the offense just looked inept. Um, you talk about opposition running games. Can we, t- we talk about it a lot, but can we, can we just touch on it briefly? 29 yards from 24, att- 24 attempts, 40, I think 44 or 41 yards after contact. So you're just looking at how quickly the offensive line is getting beaten at the point and the tackles being made in the backfield and credit, you know, a few yards afterwards, but a long of seven. And it just really, you know, in that kind of game, Along that seven kind of, is brutal. Yeah. Oh, and it was Kelly, and then he beat his chest like King Kong wanting the wanting more more ball. Yeah. Come on, give me the ball. It's like, mate, pack it in. We're gonna have to make our superstar quarterback throw the ball in the shocking weather. And it's just the absolute opposite of what you should be able to generate against a pretty average team. They're they're parts of the uh, Patriots defense that are are handy. There are others that aren't. And they're clearly, you know, um, injury deficit, Matt Judon's out, um, stuff like that. So it's like, this is sort of why you get pegged back heaps. If the defense wasn't perfect, then like you've really got to sort of temper your your enjoyment and expectations when the it's completely opposite to what I've just said, how we'll treat the show. But uh, we, we can't just sit here and go, yeah, it was fun. Who cares? We scored two field goals and uh, the middle eight was okay. And uh, yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's cool, man. Um, Al, do you think the weather was the big cause of uh, the offensive philosophy? And is it just like an odd coincidence that it's the same sort of philosophy that we've taken into most games with the sort of run heavy on first and pack it in and just rely on Herbert to put the jetpacks on. I think what we saw was impacted by the weather across the board from, from the, the way they schemed their plays to the execution, to the fact that there were six drops. I, I, I think that weather and rain played its part in a number of those drops. I also kind of thought you have to be sensible in a game where you view the opposition and how they're moving the ball, knowing it's a bit more of a time of possession type of game and that if you can run for first downs, you're going to be well positioned to win the game. Unfortunately, they did miss a number of critical opportunities to kind of get the margin to two scores that really would have made all of us watching at home feel comfortable. I mean, the Quentin Johnston drop was a big one, but so was Donald Parham's. Uh, actually two of Donald Parham's really, he had a couple of those. I thought the second one was worse. I mean, the first one was a nice throw, but difficult. The second was just, it seemed like a concentration drop, but what I will say for the offense is in that kind of game, there were no turnovers. That is slightly lucky, I thought, because, you know, a couple of those near interceptions could have become interceptions where, you know, the ball. Oh, JC Jackson almost got uh, one. He almost had one early. That sucked. 
that would have sucked Bad. for sure. But let's focus on a positive for, for, for the offense. Pass protection was elite. Yeah, zero sacks. Absolutely elite. He's only pressured on 18.4% of dropbacks. That's the best of the year. No pressures allowed by Pipkins. Most of the pressures were actually Herbert's own fault, where PFF have deemed that he contributed to it being a pressure. And that is, I know you like your point that they're missing Matt Jude on, but that's not a poor group of rushes. When when you, you're thinking about Bill Belichick, their propensity to blitz, that they can use Duggar and the safeties, that you have this kind of rolling group of edge rushers who each can rush the passer. I th- I was surprised. I thought the defense were really, I thought we were going to struggle to protect Herbert in this game. And his average time to throw was 2.89 seconds. So the fact that we weren't able to move the ball effectively, I thought was not on the O-line. So I want to give them a bit of credit before we kind of flip to a number of the negatives, Carl. Um, what were you like, like, come on, let, 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 let loose. You're too nice a guy. You're always smiling and kind of, you know, being the generous giggly type. Let rip. What did this offense struggle with? You know what I, what I really would have liked to have seen that is such, such a self-serving take because I was really hyped on the guy and I wish we had a chance to see him replicate some of his early success with the team last year. But they had him on for, what, two weeks? Why would we not elevate Horvath for this game? Um, we don't have that many running backs. It's a cold-weather game. You know it's going to be just a slugfest. I would have liked to see Horvath get a chance to showcase that he could be a bruiser back personally. We literally have nowhere lower to fall in our running game right now. It's that bad. You're looking at a 1.3 average for Eckler, 2.7 for Kelly, and we're activating two running backs a game. It doesn't really make sense. So I would have really liked to have seen Xander get that opportunity. Hey, see if we have a power back on this roster because we've been lacking that for quite a while, and it'd be pretty cool to see some old smash-mouth football. Uh, that's kind of my lost opportunity there. We waved him this week. He's gone. Uh, so I don't know if we're ever going to see him in a charger uniform again. A two week activation was weird. Kind of supported my theory that he was just there spying on the AFC North, uh, for our Ravens game, (laughs) tongue in cheek joke, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Other than that, um, Hey, Steven Anderson had two steps, Carl, at least he's in, he's in there. Hey, just your your let's, let's just keep working on old Kyle's bad takes. <laughs> but uh, you know, I hey, I, I was I, I was pumped to see Steve O back. Yeah, man, yeah, and hopefully we get, get a little more action this time. Anyway, yeah. your biggest disappointment on the offensive side of the ball this game. Uh, hmm. Um, the first one that comes to mind is just like different weeks, same thing from. Quentin Johnson, that drop was just the same as the one last week. And I'll, I'll say that the weather was not great, but like, if that's the one thing that like would have ruined his week last week, like if he had gone on social media and seen the shit that had been thrown at him after that, it's amazing. He suited up and played, but then to do it again, it's like throw your phone the fuck away. All of your computers, everything you like, it just hurts. It really hurts. They showed that graphic of uh, all the receivers taken after him in the draft last year, and it's just like paddocks, 
paddocks between him and Michael Wilson and well, like Nakua in at the Rams as well. That's just sort of freak show stuff, but it's it's really hard. Uh, I think the look. I asked that sort of question about the offensive philosophy sort of loaded because I thought that the the opening script, something that Kellen's actually done pretty well with, I think. He's he's lacked in the adjustments, but opening the script after going out three and out in the first possession, he runs mm. on all three downs before punting again in the uh, second. And we were sort of starting to get some stops on defense, and that's where it was just like we cannot – go into like through another week of just not playing complimentary football. So I was pretty disappointed on those fronts. Um, the drops are the drops, the run games, the run game. I agree with you, Al. I'm up about the pass protection, but for me, it was just maybe the like offensive sort of philosophy and the mindset going into the game, needing, needing to know that we had to make the running game work in order to, you know, win things like time of possession, which we lost. We, we went Dutch with new England and split the you know, same amount of, th- of first downs with 13 each. And, uh, we didn't even like generate as many offensive yards as they did. Uh, so it's mind boggling, but, um, it's, it's, an, it's disappointing that it's a lot of the same sort of things coming up that are, um, contributing to our falters, if you will. Andy, did you see what QJ's over-under was for receiving yards? It's the most disrespectful thing I have ever seen. It was in, Is insane. Is it like, are we talking like 19 or something? It, 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 right around. One site had it at 16.5, another had it at 18.5, and 2.5 catches for a, for a number two wide receiver in a Justin Herbert-led offense. Can you guys believe that? That's Carl's not getting commission from DraftKings or something like that, is he? Do you need to give a shout out to a sponsor, Carl? <laughs> Bad I didn't mention. I didn't mention a name. Fifty dollars back when this you sign up podcast. and mention a family this... member. Who's the? <laughs> you even sign up with the promo code Kyle D at Kyle yeah, I don't D. Have a pro... Hey, hey, they do sponsor BFTB, but I am on TDU right now, so <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't have a promo code. <laughs> can, can you do fake ad reads on on uh, shows like just chuck in the code word tdu for like 50 dollars back on your first bet <laughs> i mean we could just start doing it to practice and then we send it out to the company that's I think right that's how you hey start, we're pretty right? good at this we're pretty good yeah. listen to us yeah uh, i can read <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that uh, yeah that, that's, i thought that was alarming but yeah. but what what does that say about the outside like we have the perspective inside that herbert has his guys and he has clear trust issues with the rest of his core. What does that say about the outside perspective looking in saying this guy does not want to, well, first of all, it'll be like two and a half receptions on maybe eight targets. If they're really trying to stick a knife in (laughs) and they're going, they're just, he's not going to throw it. Like he's not going to throw it to him. He's not going to throw it to him five times. Well, mud's on your face. That was an easy $8 to achieve more. (laughs) Plus twelve hundred to achieve the um, the the three receptions. So, hmm. jokes wow. on you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving right along. Anything further we want to talk about on offense? We don't want to sort of beat it up too much. Let's kind of ride out of this with uh, still enjoying. I was the say, I'll say I'll, I'll point out one thing. I was disappointed to see kind of the the lack of Herbert's legs as a factor in the game especially when he's been doing a lot more of that the last few weeks. He had minus five yards rushing. He only scrambled once. And I thought in this game, particularly with how well held Keenan was, 
by Jonathan Jones and JC Jackson and Miles Bryant. They, I thought they played Keenan pretty well. Yeah, I thought, agreed. you know, once the drop started happening, especially in that second half when it's, you know, got to have it, we can't move the ball. I'm surprised they didn't either have more design quarterback run or Herbert just saying, nah, I've got to take off and do something with my legs. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. That, that's just maybe wrapping up the, the yeah, discussion there was, of the there was, there was a moment, uh, I forget at what stage of the game, but Herbert sort of scrambled out of what seemed like a pretty clean pocket out to the right and ended up throwing the ball half out of bounds. Uh, Uh, He just sort of couldn't adjust. And I think it was Josh Uchi who came up and made that play from the um, outside linebacker position. But yeah, like Uchi played pretty well. They had guys kind of containing that edge and not really allowing when Herbert did boot out, he was pressured uh, North and South rather than just out, um, uh, laterally out wide. So maybe that sort of contributed to it, but it's also recognizing that it's either on or you've just got to throw it away um, and not run yourself the risk of a, an eight yard sack. But he, he also had that really rough read too, Andy, where he, he had a quarterback read and we've seen him be in that situation so many times and give the ball to the running back. When we look at yeah. it, we're like, dude, you've got it wide open on that outside. Oh. If, you, if you hang on to it in this game, he finally hung on to it, but the defender was right there. Like the edge, yeah. the edge didn't bite on anything and ah, it was rough. So hopefully he, he can an, get some Are you talking about the one game. where Austin was the, the read up the middle and had space? Like, I, I think I mean, so. Yeah. Could have pushed for a team long for the, for the day, but um, yeah, he kind of hung onto it, went out left and, and got tackled. So um, well in the backfield. Yeah. Cool. I just want to give a quick shout out to, to the uh, special teams unit we spoke about. And before we move on to the Broncos preview, um, I was just decided that we're not going to do the year Nars awards, but I'm going to do mine and he can put his in the bin because it's just a copy of mine from last week. Yeah, I've got the nah, yeah. And I think nah, it's not particularly good weather for having a game where you're relying on uh, kicking of the pigskin. Yeah, the boys, JK Scott. Heck yeah, sensational with a heavy workload. Eight punts, net yardage of 43.4. Seven of those punts inside the 20. Zero return yards. Cameron Dicker nails two from 38 in the wet. Scored all of our points. And a bit of a fun fact for you, fellas. There was over a minute's worth of hang time in the game. So over the 15 punts, they went at around four and a half seconds a clip. So I busted out the calculator this afternoon after I got home from work and I went... It's close to 70 seconds of the ball being in the air off a foot um, with a live ball. So, all right. Good viewing. We had a real game of footy this week, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> footy. <laughs> That's not bad from you. Rare hit Love from it. Kyle. Rare Love hit. <laughs> we might have him back now. It's <laughs> funnier than Jack anyway. Oh, Miles. <laughs> Love you, Jack. Uh, uh, it's good to know that you're listening as well, Jack. We were surprised. Um, all right, moving on to the week 14, Broncos preview. It was good to see, guys. It was good to see Brandon Staley, although his hat was, like, remarkably low and he had, like, a um, a, a dark kind of... He had a Bel- Belichick hoodie thing going on. You could not see his eyes for the entirety of the press conference. But then he's smiling and he rocks back and, you, you know, he's having a laugh and he's enjoying it. It was just good to see... Um, him not losing the plot. And now, you know, people will 
like you said at the start, Al, with the psychology of how you view these results, you either enjoy the win for it being a win and for like, you know, putting us in a state of, hey, you know, maybe the season's not completely dead just yet. Or you're like, God damn, we, we won. And uh, it just means we're going to get a worse draft picked and this guy's going to keep coaching us for another week. Well, like, you know, you can get as dirty at that and the stuff that isn't happening as much as you like. But it's, it is nice to see a guy that's giving it at his all, enjoying himself and, and feeling himself for a moment. So that's just about it. I don't think there were any injuries out of the game, none that I can recall vividly. Obviously, no injury report has been released yet coming forward to next week. So, Kyle, what did you think of the Broncos game against the Houston Texans? What went down there? So it was... Interesting game. Broncos had a tough time early on. They progressively got better on offense in the first half, but they started pretty darn rough. Three and out, three and out, and then just a four-play series uh, after that. But they slowly were kind of gaining more yardage and then finally kicked in a field goal at the end of the half. Um, But the Texans really gave it to them early on. They kicked the field goal on their second possession, Uh, followed it up with a touchdown after that, a 10 play 78 yard drive. And then through the second half, you know, Denver was down by two possessions, entered the half three to 13. And it really became a game of shot plays for them. They couldn't sustain a drive. They only had two drives that went more than five plays. Um, but they did have a couple explosives. Cortland had one, Jerry Judy had one. Um, I don't, I don't know if there's another one that I'm missing. Um, but you know, Russell did move the ball downfield a little bit, but when push came to shove, they had three opportunities to, you know, take the lead down by less than seven points, um, on three different particular drives. And each time Russell Wilson threw an interception. So it was a rough game for them. Um, very much reliant on those explosives and by the end of the game they only had two drives throughout the whole game that went more than five plays so texans look good texans look like the real deal our boy uh you know desmond king got in there and just snuck into the top five in their pff scores so and surely that was a fumble return for a touchdown oh Oh, put your whistle away official so not only did they take away the touchdown they took away the stat altogether. They marked him down as having uh, four catches on four targets allowed or four catches allowed on four targets. They didn't give him a PBU. They didn't give him anything for that. No credit. So Yeah, well kinda, it was called it was called forward progress, wasn't it? So the catch still stands. It's just like no yards after contact, I guess. Right? Oh, that's what the call was. Sorry. I was speeding yeah. through the through Yeah, it was compl- watch the uh, complete, long. but it was forward progress. I was like, his legs are still churning, man. That is De- absolutely yeah. insane. And Rough. poor Gene Sterator, twice in two games, they shoot to Sterator and he's saying, yeah, I think that was a wrong decision. It happened in our game as well with the tint yeah. ball at the line where Sterator is like, yep, that's the right decision. They've picked up the flag. That's not pass interference. But lo and behold, it's first wrong. and 10 and they've, they've kept it. Oh, man. Yeah. Don't know what the yeah. answer is. Don't want to be one of those fans who only points out when decisions go in your team's favor. But that's all that's happening <laughs> at the moment with the charges. So. True. So, yeah, I mean, Broncos, they, the interesting thing is, and now Al, I'm, we're going to bounce this back to you and I'm sure you're going to build on this, but their, their strength in the game was being able to get explosives, which has been our weakness. You know, that they, they, there is a chance they do have the ability with how um, Peyton likes to call plays to move the ball downfield, something that Lombardi for some reason didn't take with him uh, when he came here. 
but they definitely were making that, you know, had some instances where they made that work. Cortland and Judy are guys that can get behind a defense. Cortland's not the fastest, but he's a decent enough route runner. He caught that long touchdown pass uh, in double mm-hmm. coverage, but um, is what it is. Al, what do you think are some of the ways that the Chargers can kind of shut that attack down and how you think uh, we, we face this Broncos team? It's going to be difficult. They they have enough strengths that you definitely need to come ready to play. And I think the fact that they were on a five-game win streak before this game says that they're well coached. They haven't given up internally. Maybe some of that is about Russell Wilson's you know positive mindset and his bravado. He's kind of a, this middling quarterback where I feel like he makes more errors than he used to. Things like not feeling the pressure around him or not being able to escape that pressure. But like you said, Carl, they have some weapons like a Marvin Mims or a Cortland Sutton who's having a good year with 650 yards and nine touchdowns. That on the outside, Dean Leonard versus Cortland Sutton, you know, I'm a little worried about how that will manifest. It almost resulted in more yardage than was given up this week against the Pats. Devontae Parker had that near catch on the sideline where one foot was inbounds and the other wasn't. I think there's a risk there. But I also think on the ground they present a pretty dangerous team because I feel like Russ is rushing the ball better this year than last. Javonte Williams and this, this new rookie, Jaleel McLaughlin from Youngstown State, undrafted free agent, five foot nine guy, He's fast and he's the type of running back that the Chargers struggle with, you know, where he can hit the outside and he's having 5.7 yards a pop. So yeah, there's a lot of guys to look out for on at least the offensive side of the ball. On the defense, they're this weird story of kind of incremental improvement because they were breaking records for poor performance early in the year. Miami scored 70 points against Vance Joseph's defense which is characterized by a lot of different styles of coverage and exotic blitzes and the type of scheme that maybe can take a while to acclimate to and communicate properly. But it seems like they're understanding that now. And on third down, they're the fourth, fourth best team in the NFL, allowing conversions on only, you know, 35% of third down attempts. So I don't think they've got a lot of stars. I mean, Patrick Satan is the obvious one. You always need to look out for him. Keenan, you know, if he's in the slot, maybe he doesn't get Sertan, but he's going to be that one guy you've got to be aware of at all times is Justin Herbert. And Zach Allen's been pretty good as a as a signing, I think, from the Arizona Cardinals. So enough strengths that, that the Chargers will be threatened. The question is how they respond to it. Uh, Andy, how about you on kind of the, the weaknesses of this Broncos team? How do you think we can exploit the Denver Broncos this this week? Yeah, for mine, I think the big opportunity is it comes out of the – just the, I feel like there's a real imbalance between the, the Broncos' pass rush and their coverage unit. Like you've mentioned Pat Satan and stuff, but historically, yeah, he's a superstar player. He's having a down year, though. Like let's, let's be honest. He's still capable of these things, but he's having a down year. Justin Simmons sort of falls into that, that category as well. I feel like they're pretty thin at corner. They're not getting, they're not, apart from Zach Allen, they're not generating a lot of pressure uh, up the middle, um, getting a, a bit of work out of Jonathan Cooper and Nick Benito on the edges. Uh, so I'm hoping that we see the pass protection stick up a little bit more and maybe the, the passing game. I think as far as um, our run defense and their run defense go, like 
they're really going to test our run defense. And I, I just don't know if our run game is going to trouble theirs. So mm. I'd like to really just see Herbert be hitting a lot of completions back at SoFi, back under the roof. Let's stick these catches. Um, that's the sort of the biggest I can, I can see is I'll just move straight into what I think the key to victory is because it sort of, it, it rolls into from that rolls on from that rather if we come out firing early on offense, sort of like how the Texans sort of threatened and then ended up doing, we're putting a, a less physically gifted 35-year-old Russell Wilson under a heck more pressure. Yeah, Like you said, Kyle, unable mm-hmm. to sort of sustain those drives, tends to cook himself. He can't evade the pressure as much as he used to. He can still throw a beautiful, beautiful rainbow. Don't get me wrong, but it's a yep. lot of like eggs in the basket to just be relying on a couple of plays, which the Chargers are sort of prone to be giving up. Um, my, my thoughts are hit them, hit them hard early. Al, you and I were watching the Broncos Texans game condensed after the Chargers game on Monday. And, you know, we just got to come out and play smash mouth football straight up, um, get the pressure on their offense early. Um, and, uh, yeah, just sort of, let's see how Kellen Moore can kind of balance the offense when the run game shits itself, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle, what do you reckon, man? How are we going to win this game? What do we got to do? I just had a thought. Has anyone heard on, uh, and this is terrible for me to me to ask this now, but um, whether or not, because Joshua Palmer would be outside of his IR window now. Um, yeah. Has anyone no seen timeline, any said on Brandon that? Staley on Monday morning. No timeline. So I think <laughs> Buffalo is a best case scenario. That's my yeah. interpretation. It would be great to have him back. Um, this is going to be an interesting week because... Um, we were talking about their, their defensive backs. Their highest rated player right now, according to PFF, is actually their slot cornerback, Jaquan uh, McMillian. And he's yeah. a player that, by the looks of it, and this is not me scouting him a bunch. This is just reading his basically his scat, stat line, which is terrible of me. But um, he's only missing 9.1% of his tackles. And for what... I would do to have that in our star position right now. Like it would, it's, it's terrible things. Like that's, that's exactly what a uh, defense <laughs> like ours needs. And one like um, Joseph's that often mixes up some crazy blitzes and um, you know, is kind of, I don't think he runs a super similar defense to Staley other than he gets creative with his blitzes and gets a little, he uh, from what I, from what I've looked up and read, he really likes to blitz the um, do a double blitz on the a gap, which for us is going to be an issue because yeah. that's yes, it is. clap. That's clap. Yep. That's Zion. That's uh, Jamari who have all been kind of struggling this year. So the adjustment to look, the two things I'm going to be looking for are, can we break out and have a decent running game, but I'm not really anticipating it because it seems like they do pr- a pretty darn decent job at bottling that up. And then B, can clap make the right coverage adjustments or can Herbert make the right calls at the line to get that ball out quick when that blitz comes? Because that is an area that both Herbert and clap, I'm putting it on Herbert too, have oh, struggled yeah. on this be. year. Has to be. And, uh, that's going to, I think, I really think guys that could be the make or break of this game is whether or not they're able to contain those creative blitzes that Vance Joseph likes to run. Yep. What else is going to be really important just on that note is Austin Eckler and his safe hands, because a lot mm. of the time he's the hot out. And if that dump off needs to happen, 
Eklund needs to make those catches. He's dropping sodas. It seems like half the time um, Herbert's throwing bars of soap to Quinton Johnson and Austin Eckler. You're just sort of like, and Parham last week. Like, that's stunk. But I agree with you, man. That's um, what we got to do. Al, anything further? What is your re- result prediction? How's this going? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, Al's I, in, I agree. Al, just, just sorry, listeners. Al's in run the table mood. Uh, mode so he's six <laughs> six six and oh from here out or five and oh from here out is like well within ours reach <laughs> yep i'm hopeful if nothing else we've got to stay out of these third and longs i think the team's in so much trouble if and i don't mean the team needs to run the ball efficiently they i'm happy to manufacture run game through some of the screens that we saw you know you feign one way and throw a screen to the opposite side to austin Eckler or quentin johnston something to get you out of these positions where they can send those blitzes that you've been talking about, Kyle, or, you know, where, where they can just make things difficult for this offense that has just generally struggled in third and long with, with Mike Williams and Josh Palmer out of the team. So I think that's the, really the recipe on offense, uh, on defense. I think they've got a Waldo on their offensive line. It's Mike McGlinchey in pass protection. Like and that. Khalil Mack has a real chance to get this guy. I mean, he's given up 42 pressures and five sacks. And the next worst from one of his 4-0 linemen is 19 pressures allowed. So he's given 23 more pressures up than any other Broncos offensive lineman. So Mack's got to be opposite McGlinchey. And Russell Wilson melts down under pressure, guys. His grade under pressure was 29 against Houston. He's got the fifth highest pressure to sack ratio in the NFL. And do you know that puts him in the company of quarterbacks like Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, Bryce Young, Zach Wilson. So he plays like a rookie quarterback when you get pressure on the guy. He he, he drops the ball, he fumbles, he falls over. No amount of positivity will, will... Exactly. So they're the kind of keys. I am, yeah, I'm I'm torn on this one, man, because it's heart, mind, you know, Peyton, who's going to want to show the world against the team that he was kind of not so subtly advocating to be signed to. I'm going to go one more week of being positive and the Chargers win this game 27 to 24 at home. Keep the season alive for one more week. Not saying anything more than that. It's one week at a time. Chargers win and move the ledger to six and seven. Kyle, uh, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is my least least favorite part, man, of uh, hopping on here with you guys and of when I'm writing with BTFB or BFTB right now. But um, I'm concerned about when I look at their defensive backs. I wonder who, where do we have a mismatch? And I look at, um, you know, McMillian lining up on Allen. It's probably there. Um, you know, he's like, I was saying before, more of a run defender. He does give stuff up, but I fully believe they're going to be bracketing Allen and finding ways to shut him out. So then who could win a one-on-one and we're going to have Sertan matched up against Quentin Johnston. Probably. So this might be one of those games where we're going to be looking at a at a guy that just got signed off the practice squad or somebody else's practice squad to uh, uh, be the new or be the game ball of the day to step up and uh, make a big play. And did, did you guys see uh, this week when that game ball was handed out, Quentin Johnson's face? Uh, well, it when it went to Erickson, 
Erickson. When Erickson got the game ball, Quentin Johnson <laughs> was just he, everyone else was cheering, and Quentin Johnson was doing this. Could have been you, dude. Could have been him. Dude, Catch the one touchdown. He's got to feel the guy. He got a feel for the guy. He probably thought it might've been coming his way because he got, he matched. I think think that was his highest totals for the year. So stop it. They're all chess catches uncontested. And then you give him one chance to catch in his hands and Butterfingers spills the beans. And he had 40 minutes to bash this out earlier in the show, guys. Sorry. And and he doesn't only (laughs) drop it. He bops it up, which one of these days that's going to go to the defender. It's it's, it's playing hot potato. Every time it scares me. So anyway, boys, sorry. Um, I'm worried that just wanted to score prediction <laughs> that we don't have enough of a extra. This is an Eckler game, Kyle. This is an Eckler game, man. A hundred yards receiving. Ec- I still have him in fantasy. I told Zayna to take him out of her, out of her lineup this week, and she did, and it worked. And I hate myself for it. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go 27-20. Right on. Broncos, Broncos win. Broncos. It is tough. It is tough publishing. You're not um, coming back. Oh, t- sorry. You going Broncos? God damn! I should have known I'm from not. the start when you started that out. Going, oh, I'm going to hate it. Uh, you're right. Uh, Doing predictions sorry. and writing and writing little spiels. I a quick shout out to um, TDU's buddy Dominic Muchesito uh, of the Rivers Lake Yacht Club. I've been stepping in for Jack and chucking um, a little prediction up there. I think I'm two and one on the season so far since i jumped in three weeks ago uh so i love a little chuck a little spiel i'm going in a close one charges 20 broncos 17 uh get the w um just want to be positive for the rest of the year and enjoy my monday nights watching football with my best buddy that's uh that's how i want to see this we'll live week by week and we'll just enjoy it guys um I think that's all from us tonight. Hopefully it's another victory pod next week. We'll see Carl back on the show soon as he is impending. He and his lovely wife are impending there. Baby girl. Oh, we're just going to lose another guy to being a father. And next uh. it's me. So see you, see you, Al. You're on your own, mate. <laughs> I can talk for an hour. You know it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no one will listen, though. That's all I right. Get it, I get it once a week off air. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's go, Chargers. Get another win against the Broncos. Big divisional game. I guess we'll see you next time on the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. Thanks for joining. Bye. Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Backpedal looking, firing, he's got Floyd turning, got it, 6 and 10, 5, high step, touchdown!